We want to welcome all of our listeners to a special live episode of Minority Report podcast with Eric and Carell coming to you from the Ad Color Conference and Awards. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today, we're lucky we have Anna Johannes, who's a 2012 Paralympian and account supervisor of marketing at Porter Novelli in Boston. Let's jump in and get to know Anna. Anna, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Like I said, following you guys on social media. So wild being here. And I can't wait to look at Instagram and be like, I <laughs> I made it. <laughs> uh, we love it. We're so thrilled to talk to you about so many things. And there's so much exciting stuff that you're doing. And, and I want to touch on a lot of it, you know, and you just came off the stage of a tremendous panel. And I'll circle back to that in a little bit. But first, Anna. Where were you born and raised? Tell us about you. Yeah, I was actually born in a tiny little country called Kyrgyzstan. So it's right above China underneath Kazakhstan, like kind of in Russia in Mm. that area. Mm. So yeah, I was born there. So I'm missing my left hand and forearm. I'm not necessarily missing it because I'm not going to find it. But yeah, and so I was actually given up at birth because of my disability. And so I was adopted when I was two. And then I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. And then, like you said, I was a Paralympian. So I was a swimmer and grew up in Virginia, figuring that out and then have kind of just been bumping around and figuring it out since. (laughs) That's amazing. You've turned what some people would consider a disability into our friend Sandy at Yahoo would say is a superpower. Yeah. Right. Truly, it's a superpower. And I'm wondering, you know, where did you develop that ability? Did it start at a young age? And how did that happen? Yeah, it's a good question. It kind of just comes from being hardheaded. I was just that kid, you know? (laughs) I always loved the water and I would always just like jump in puddles and everyone hated me around me. So I, you know, I came from me just being tiny little crazy Kyrgyzstani running around and whatever, but I just had an incredible support system. My parents, they tried to adopt a couple different kids and it kept falling through and they were like, let's get a kid who probably wouldn't normally get adopted. And so they got me and they they got me specifically because of that. And they never really told me no. I'm an only child. So that's mm. a whole other thing. So <laughs> kind of added to it. But a little bit of a brat there. But hopefully... We can do a whole new podcast. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not. But they never told me that I was disabled. Not in a hiding it away because I'm missing hands. You can't really like tuck that away. But, you know, if I wanted to do ballet, they're like, sure, let's figure that out. And when I was into swimming, some people were like, why doesn't she just do soccer? You know, Mm. it's just legs. And my mom's like, because she doesn't want to do soccer. Mm. Like, she's not good at it. (laughs) So they just kind of let me explore the world. You know, I've broken (laughs) several bones because of it, you know, because I wanted to do the monkey bars. Mm -hmm. And that whole telling me no thing probably would have been helpful in that moment and snapped <laughs> both of my, uh, the ulnar and radius or whatever it is. And so just kind of being fiercely independent from a young age combined with incredibly supportive parents has been really the key to who I am today. So... <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And like Eric said, you just got off the stage here at Ad Color <laughs> and very interesting conversation around racism and mm. ableism. Yes. And so, Anna, if you could just take a few minutes and explain to the listeners what the conversation was sort of all about. Yeah. And I'm a white woman, right? So I was so pleased to be there because I think so many 
minorities right now that aren't like a racial minority really struggle with their privilege, right? I'm a woman, I'm pansexual, I'm disabled. What kind of privilege do I have? But I'm also white. And so what comes with that is just an enormous amount of privilege and understanding just disability within itself is a complex situation, but understanding and being an ally and things like that. And so what kind of stemmed this conversation is Omnicom, the agency that owns my agency, they have an ERG called Open Disability. And so there's a few of us on there. And I just listened to another podcast with Ibram X. Kendi, and he started his podcast with I think it was racism and ableism stemmed from the same tree. And it really is because racism and ableism is like the value and worth of your body, right? And what people deem as acceptable and not acceptable. And so there's so much that came with that. And we wanted to bring that, especially into like an advertising company, right? Like we have the power to tell stories. And if we're not telling a person's full story, you're not telling it correctly. And disability has always been on the back burner. And so we just wanted to make it front and center and Claudia and Sam and Vaughn and Marianne just did an incredible job of just talking about the different intersects of racism, being an ally of what it means as a Black Jamaican woman who lost her hearing at eight and then going into college and having to make the decision between going to a a deaf college and face racism there or go to a HCBU and face ableism and the strife between that. And then also being a mom with Sam who worked at P&G and convincing the CEO of P&G to pay attention to disability. So there was just incredible stories of really just breaking through with incredible people and just trying to change it. And the people on the stage were the people who were doing that every day. And so coming out of the discussion, right, what did you want or hope the audience would sort of take away from the discussion, right? As we leave Ad Color this week, great event. And again, mm. this the conversation about racism and, and ableism, people go back to their their companies, <laughs> their day-to-day lives. Like, what do you want people to take with them away from this event? Yeah, I think we're kind of at ground level, right? My hope would have been, okay, everyone's really into disability now and following disabled people on Instagram and promoting the Paralympics, right? Like that's the end goal. But right now you can't really fall out of a basement, right? So Mm. we're down in that basement. And I think really is just that awareness. I just want people to be aware, you know, everyone at Ad Color is so incredibly intelligent and inspired by diversity and inclusion. And that's what they live and breathe. But sometimes we can get so siloed into what we think DE&I is. Mm. And if one person pays attention to race, then that means that the LGBTQIA community is not being paid attention to or the disabled community. And you're like, there's disabled, Latina, trans, gay women out mm-hmm. there, right? And mm-hmm. so what I hope really came of it is people just thinking about it right, and being like, oh, I remember that panel. They said they didn't have an interpreter at their event. You know, we're hosting an event. Is that something we need to do? Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's just kind of planting that seed now. And then hopefully at future ad colors and other events like this, that they can have that in the back of their brain. That's awesome. I want to take a moment, sort of like read a little bit to you (laughs) and to the audience about a couple words you said, awareness, about thinking about it, right? Thinking about all of this. And you spent a lot of time building and and creating awareness, it seems like, or thinking about it and getting people to think about it. You've worked with tremendous 
brands and companies, I think around accessibility, around design, around taking a moment to think about not just that sort of core, you know, sort of user. I'm talking about brands like Hilfiger and Speedo, working with the Boston Children's Hospital, working with future Paralympic athletes, right? And I want to ask you about accessibility and it not just being compliance. Can, can you talk about that? Because you worked with products to say, hey, you need to develop something that's important to people, right? Can you talk about that work and what accessibility is? Yeah, accessibility is such an interesting topic, right? Because the end product of accessibility is everyone being welcome in a space. Mm -hmm. And when you make something accessible, like Tommy Hilfiger's clothing line or Zappos selling one shoe at a time or even just McDonald's created it's like a holder for hamburgers. So people like me with one hand don't end up with like tons of lettuce in in their lap like we all do, right? And so accessibility is like, if you make something accessible for someone with a disability, it's accessible for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh, one person is happier. It's like everyone is happier, right? And so that's really what I've been trying to talk about so much is accessibility from the standpoint of, having employees and just letting, making sure they can get into the door, right? Mm -hmm. And so like literally get into the door, right? It doesn't have the accessible button or it's not ADA compliant or it's only ADA compliant. The ADA hasn't been updated in 30 years. So it's like, "Mm, good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do more. And so working with, especially Tommy Hilfiger, it was just a bunch of disabled people in a room being like, nah, that's wrong. Like, let's design this and stuff like that. And it was incredible. But it ended up just kind of being about the product and not like the full experience of it, the website, the, you know, like I said, for the employees, there's just so much to consider Mm -hmm. with accessibility. And, you know, at Boston Children's, it was more about the accessibility of stories. Mm -hmm. It was always about little white kid, rich kid came in, had a heart surgery. They did fine and now they're back to normal and there's so many different stories can you tell us about some of those stories that you activated that were not like that so there's people with disabilities so it's boston children's hospital right and you would think oh it's just kids but it's adults now who were treated as kids whether it's like someone with cp who gets corrective surgery every once in a while or someone with a visual impairment that has to get their eyes checked every once in a while or for me getting a prosthetic right it's it's a lifetime thing and so yeah. telling those stories it's boston children's hospital does so much and they do so much for their community and those are the stories that we have to tell and they helped people globally right so talking about the activations within brazil or africa or things like that and so talking more holistically so it's not just like oh we helped this one kid you know what Mm, I mean like it's just the St. Jude thing over and over again and you're like there's so much more that's awesome what excites you about the future of the work that you're doing and you know we're having this great conversation about accessibility and ableism and creating awareness and people making changes to products on it what excites you about sort of the future of where we're going (laughs) So this is going to sound bad, but like I said, we can't really fall out of the basement, right? Uh, Like we can only go up from here. And I think there's so much systematic history of disability, right? So 250,000 people were killed in concentration camps with disabilities. They forcefully 
maimed people with disabilities so they couldn't have kids. They even did mercy killings of children. Back in the 70s, they had an ugly law and people with disabilities were legally required to hide their disability. And so right now, I feel like there's a lot of, especially in the past year, there's been such an amazing conversation about disability. Mm-hmm. And so many people are like, yeah, let's embrace this and things like that. And so I'm so excited for that. But what I'm excited is like with disability it's not something you're necessarily born into, right? Mm. My parents aren't disabled. And it's kind of the same thing with the LGBTQIA community. You don't necessarily have someone there holding your hand, you know, to have the talk or things like that. There isn't a talk for the disabled community. It's like, best of luck, my man, right? Mm. You know, and Mm. sometimes you luck out with parents who get it and want to encourage. And then sometimes like, I know people whose own parents would cover up their disabilities. And so I'm excited to really just unpack it all, right? Mm -hmm. I think everyone Mm -hmm. in the past two years in the pandemic and obviously in response to George Floyd, people have really done a lot of learning and unlearning. And so what I'm most excited about is people learning about disability. I don't know my own community's history. And so unpacking that and bringing out incredible leaders like Frida Kahlo, who is an amazing Mexican artist who had several different types of disabilities, but is one of the most famous artists in the world. And so people Mm -hmm. just don't put that together. And Mm -hmm. so that intersectional and just learning is what I, I think is really exciting. Yeah. Anna, can you talk to us about this idea of respect and acknowledgement of the disability community kind of coming first? This acknowledgement that community is large. It's not one thing. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Disability is the largest marginalized group in the world. So we're also 15% of the world's population or 1.2 billion people. And so, yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) With that, you can imagine it's not all a bunch of amputees like me. It's not all deaf women like Claudia or, you know, blind women like Sam, right? It's so many different types of disabilities. And there's a strife within the disability community, right? There's always that comparing, contrasting, like, oh, my life's harder than yours and, you know, things like that. But I think within the disability community, that acknowledgement and understanding means doing the research, right? And not just plugging in a person with a disability and just doing one, right? Like Vaughn, the moderator of the panel, he always says like, we go grocery shopping and there can be a person in a wheelchair and someone who has an invisible disability, which is incredibly important to acknowledge that not all disabilities are visible. In fact, I think Sam said it was 70% of disabilities are invisible. And that includes like mental health, anxiety. I have dyslexia and it can be debilitating because I can read an email a thousand times and I think it looks perfect. And then I send it off and my boss is like, that's garbage. I was like, oh, you're right. (laughs) When I said it, you know, and so it can be so hard. And I think the biggest thing between acknowledgement and understanding Mm -hmm. disability, right? It's a little bit easier to understand my disability with missing a hand because you're like, okay, got that that makes sense. But with invisible disabilities, we have to advocate for ourselves so much more because for some reason, people can be like, oh, it's fine. You know, like my cousin has that and she's fine. And you're like, the other thing about disability is if someone had the exact same arm and amputation that I do, their life is going to be incredibly different, right? Mm -hmm, Just like mm -hmm. not all lesbians have the same experience Mm -hmm. or things like that. And so, yeah, Yeah. it's the same thing within the disability community. So understanding, acknowledging and celebrating those immense differences. 
thank you for helping us and everyone listening to understand more of that. And I think time you're taking and explaining and doing all that it's far reaching and, and it's wide and so thank you very much for that i'm curious about your own personal experiences when faced with discrimination i'm sure it's happened before but you're also a very strong person but can you help us understand what that's like and how you handled it when faced with it yeah discrimination as a disabled person is it's, it has to do a lot more with like microaggressions, I feel like. I think mm. it's not out, you know, like the racism in America mm. where people feel empowered to be incredibly racist. So with disability, it's tons of just microaggressions or not so much, right? <laughs> I had a woman when I was working for a company, she told me I was living my life as a disabled person incorrectly because she thought I was. I'm not sure why it was. I didn't ask her. She was happy to tell me for some reason. Mm. And so it's... Wild. I had a one woman, I was trying to get some coffee at like a hotel and I was putting on the lid and I spilled it. And the lady was like, oh, You could have just asked me for help. And I was like, well, I didn't know how my just dis- <laughs> how this became about you. Right. 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 Yeah. And so yeah. it's just so interesting. And then it can even be if I'm with someone who's able-bodied, some people will like look at that person mm. and ask them questions about me and kind of like ignore it. And that happens wow. to people with disabilities constantly, mm. especially if you're in a wheelchair. And so as like a disabled woman, you know, I just I was getting tech prepped for this panel. And the gentleman like literally was just like up my dress and like put the mic right in the back of my bra. And it was because I probably couldn't do it and just assumed. And it was like a situation like immediately. And so mm. discrimination is just, it can happen so fast and within the disability community if you call it out they're like no i was just trying to help you know Mm -hmm. and things like that so it can be tiring and it can be tiring having to advocate for yourself so much and people kind of push back on you until you like know you're wrong you're like i don't think i'm wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean and so yeah i think the discrimination for me it's just those everyday things it's those tiny little things and i think people they ask me, oh, what's the hardest thing about a disability, right? It's not like, oh, I can't rock climb because I can. I've tried it. It's not fun, but I can do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's the little stuff of like buttoning buttons or thing, or like doing a zipper or like tying shoelaces. It's the tiny little things. And I think it's the same thing for discrimination. It's the same things. It's those tiny little people not making eye contact or only right. looking at your arm that build up and you're like, God, yeah. And Sorry. it just builds up. Like you said, those little things just continue to build up. And then that's where sort of the extra weight and the mental health issues come into play mm-hmm. and, and, and dealing with that. Right. Yeah. And I think all minorities are facing that, too, because we're fighting the fight and it's amazing. But at the end of the day, you're like, man, I just this is tiring fighting a systematic and historic oppression. Mm-hmm. So but I think like today's panel, you know, there's 1.2 billion people with disabilities and it intersects into every other part of life. And so I think we're really starting to create a movement. So I mean, that's another thing, you know, is yeah. I just that's don't want... That's an amazing number. I didn't realize yeah. it was... Wow. It's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. lot of people. And I had, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. I had a girl who had a similar disability ask me a question. She was an athlete. She was a swimmer as well. And she was like, does it get better? And I couldn't say yes. Mm. I couldn't tell her that it gets better, that the staring goes away or that their coaches are going to understand her disability. And it was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had because she was looking at me and her mom was looking at me. And I was like, Mm. I'm so sorry. We're not in a place like that. But showing up, especially with a visible disability, just succeeding and thriving and kicking ass in the pool 
changes people's perceptions on a daily basis. It's hard, but every day you're out there being your amazing self contributes to that. Mm, awesome. Thank you. Great stuff on it. Fun question that yes. I love asking every guest that we have on a podcast. Uh-uh. You're a listener, so you may know what question's coming. <laughs> Give us the top three apps that you use on your phone on a regular basis, oh but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging. Okay. TikTok. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. I know. Like, what a surprise. Yeah. When I get overwhelmed at work, I'll just like hide under my desk. I'm not even going to lie in the fetal position and just scroll through watching people be silly and amazing. So... <laughs> TikTok. You know, that could be a great new sort of channel too, right? Like you're stressed out at work, you're under your desk. Let me start to talk on the camera now and do some, yeah. do my own TikToks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, so I'm flipping out. How is everyone else? <laughs> Gosh, I would like to say that I'm like, oh, I have NPR or like <laughs> CNN and I just constantly read. That's not why like, we asked the question. Yeah, it's a great it's, question to get to know people. Yeah, so we want the real I, stuff. It's like, <laughs> Instagram, but it's like in the search part and like Instagram is like you look at like one thing and you're like, you love this, right? Yeah, right. And like yeah, I just was interested yeah. in this one toilet fact. It's not my life. But I've been watching, you know, like it's so silly, like ASMR stuff yeah, <laughs> like Instagram. It's just so calming. So and then Facebook. But what I love doing on Facebook is I do have a lot of family members who aren't like quite hip with the time. So I love like mm, retweeting, um... like very like disruptive and like <laughs> empowering stuff and you know, just kind of I don't think it really helps that much, but it does help to like just share stories from every different angle. Right. And that's what I do on Instagram is I just follow a bunch of random, you know, whether it's disability or black hair or Indian heritage. Right. It's Mm. like all Mm. these different things and just being able to kind of scroll and see through different eyes every single day and then just like kind of RT that and be like, I don't know, maybe someone, you know, my five followers will like appreciate (laughs) this story. So, yeah, it's. A very uh, basic girl, <laughs> like TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. <laughs> hey, those were good. You yeah. know, I mean, we've had, I don't know, Grubhub or There somebody. it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, girl, I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, like, the food delivery. Yeah. Uh, we've had those. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting is when we first started the podcast, we would get like the Delta app or oh. United or something like That's that. so funny. But over the last year and a half, we're not hearing no. people say that I'm using the airline apps anymore. Yeah. So I wonder when that'll come back, Eric. So, yeah. It's yeah. been just like, how do you get through the last two years? Right? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then we only allow people to say three apps. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> what apps keep you saying these All right. days? Well, it's been a lot of fun hanging yeah. with you. We hope you come back and join us another time. Absolutely. You know, we learned a lot. And I think our audience will learn a whole lot too, which is really important. The disability community, it's big mm-hmm. and not just one thing, right? And mm-hmm. also we talked about accessibility and ableism. Everybody listening, learn more about it, take some time and understand it. And we want to thank you for joining us, coming right off the stage and hanging with us. We want to thank the great team and our partners at AdColor. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, tremendous event. And we want to also thank you again for hanging out with us. So thanks everyone for listening to another episode. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks, Anna. Join us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.